Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. 53106 is our text number that will cost you uh, 30 cent. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter or send us an email to afternoon at newstalk.com. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on Newstalk. It is indeed uh, time for Movies and Booze. We're joined uh, once again by Fanula, uh, Esther and Jean. Good afternoon to you all. Hello. Hi, guys. Hi, Hi. everybody. Uh, and so uh, because you, you, you very... Uh, admirably followed up, Gene, on an inquiry we got um, uh, some weeks we ago. The, uh, the Asset Broadcast a couple of weeks ago, somebody asked about Mead and one of our uh, listeners tweeted in and said, oh, Kinsale Mead Company. So I got in touch with Kate Dempsey and we had, a, she sent me out some samples and we had a Zoom meeting. So I didn't know anything about Mead. I know a lot more now. It's fabulous stuff. It, oh, I'm really impressed. You're going to be so impressed when you try okay. it. I, I don't even know what it's made out of. Oh, well, oh, you can tell us there. It's not like come. made out of spuds or something like that. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Honey! <laughs> and and uh, Esther, both the films we're talking about today, I must say, I hadn't heard much about in advance. Yeah, there seems to be two camps on, on people just do nothing. Like myself, never heard of them in my life. Or you're a slavishly devoted fan of the um, t- BBC show, the double BAFTA winning show. Um, there's a group of lads who are, by their own claim, the biggest garage uh, rap DJ act in Brentford. Uh, so what you're getting is kind of right. a mockumentary here. And it's the, the series over several years followed their escapades and really kind of built um, a very loyal audience. And here's the movie spin-off. Uh, I, I liked this a lot. I never heard of them, but they made me laugh a lot. I have to say there's some great comedy in here. Um, the other one then is The Bright Side. Uh, that is a big new Irish release um, out today with Tom Von Lawler and Gemma Lee Devereaux. Um, it is a very hard um, thing to pull off, Sean, is a comedy about a suicidal um, co- comedy stand-up artist who gets cancer. And they do pull it off. There actually is a lovely blend of comedy and drama here. And I suppose a, 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 a kind of a topic that is often dealt with um, in a kind of a mawkish way or a manipulative way in, in storytelling that, you know, could put audiences off, mm. but is, has a lightness of touch here. And a, a really a filmmaker to watch out for, I think, a, a woman by the name of Ruth Meehan, um, well-known director now in television circles, but this is her Well, indeed, I've worked with Ruth Meehan myself. Uh, 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 lovely. Ah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, this is her debut feature uh, and she wrote it as well. And it's... Uh, it's a very accomplished first film, I have to say. It's, it's a, there's a lot to recommend it. Right, okay, that's good to know. Just going back to the yeah. first film, just in a cl- it's called Pe- People Just Do Nothing Big in Japan. Was the yes. TV show called All of That or is it this the TV show and they've gone to Japan? Exactly. People Just Do right. Nothing was the show. Right. And they have long since broken up, the lads, um, oh. but they discover that one of their songs is being used in a really bad Japanese, you know, that bad Japanese TV stuff, competition kind of things. Where they, they do. beat the crap out of each other. Yeah, all yeah. kinds of mad stuff where they try and like drink more whale sperm than anybody else and stuff like that kind of stuff they do. It's kind of a show like that. Why did you go to and that example? <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> I don't know. My brain's just asking the same question. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, so it's, it's somehow their song has become the catch tune in this show. So uh, the Japanese want them to come over and do a big gig um, with um, the prospect of launching them. Um, over there so the lads are now you know 
one of them's on the dole, one of them's now working as a postman and, you know, the dreams have long since left them, but now they think they might get their big break at last. Uh, so off to Japan they go. Ah, right, now, they, okay. They wouldn't be kind of, they wouldn't be no, known for travelling far outside of Brentford now and um, one of the girlfriends follows them over as well. This is, there's a lot of situational humour in this, I, I must say, I really liked it and some right. of the dialogue's great in it. Okay, and Brian on on uh, Twitter, who's a font of information on these things, says people just do nothing. Is also available on Netflix uh, if people want to uh, maybe check it out before they actually uh, look at the film. Uh, and Fanula, this is actually, I suppose, it's not strictly speaking movie news or anything, but I was interested, very interested to see that Daniel Craig is going to leave his kids Jack when he when he dies. Yeah, when he's killed in a hail of bullets. Wouldn't you be fuming? Wouldn't you be so annoyed? No, um, I, I think it's a great thing. He's not the only one in fairness. So for context, he did an interview with the magazine recently because obviously he's on the James Bond promo. It seems like it's finally going to come out next month. Um, and he basically said that he actually finds the concept of like leaving an inheritance distasteful and that uh, he kind of quoted someone else saying, if you die rich, like you failed and that he'd rather spend it while he's here. I think he's on about divvying it up between charities and stuff. But yeah, he has three kids and they're apparently not getting a cent. So It's interesting though that that just shows you how long the gap has been between uh, the, the completion of, of the James Bond film and its release that now he's actually thinking about his own death. Yeah. Uh, that's how long it's Time been. Time is a yeah. construct. Yeah, and this is definitely his last one anyway. This is definitely his last one, yeah. And, but he's he's just signed on to do the Knives Out. Like, that's going to be a cinematic universe in itself with Netflix, oh, I think. So, right. okay. multi-million dollar. So, it's not as if he's hard up for it. Like, but Right, anyway. yeah, but the kids are getting nothing of it. Nothing. Uh, not, not a shilling. Rachel Weisz is in his ear now being like, you'll have to leave something to them. Like, don't do this to me. You're embarrassing me. But, uh, but sure, she's probably worth it. She can leave him her money. That's very true. Good point. Yeah, so now Equality. they're going to be sucking up to, to, to mom yeah. all the time. Yeah. And, oh, God. That's going to be a bit <laughs> awkward. Uh, right, so let's uh, let's move on and, and uh, talk about mead. Then. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward. This is called the Hazy Summer Mead. Uh, Price-wise, it's between 22 and 25 euro, depending on uh, where it is. It's available in Super Value nationwide. It's also in specialty shops such as Art Keen in Waterford, Fallon and Burn in Chatham Street, Bradley's in North Main Street in Cork, McCambridge's in Galway specialty food shops and you can also buy it online from kinsalemeadco.ie So anyway, what is mead? Well, it's the world's oldest alcoholic drink. It was first produced in China as far back as 6000 BC and in Europe they can date uh, production to 2800 BC and in Ireland you know, the the the, the, Danon, the children of Lear legend references Fanula. Uh, Go. <laughs> uh, drinking mead before she and her brothers were changed into swans Sounds and exiled right. for 900 years. Yeah, that's so you, Fadula. That's <laughs> me going into lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So anyway, so if you wanted to start your mead journey, well, you could follow in the steps, uh, steps of Kate and her husband, De- Dennis, and visit the Mead Hall in Tara, the Hill of Tara. Now, I, there's an aerial shot of it and it's to the right of the church. It's not one of the roundy circle stones. Yeah. But this place was so big that a thousand people could feast and stay the night in it. Now, that's in prehistoric times. So okay, right. So cool. Obviously, mead was, 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 was the drink back it then. It was like the coppers of, of oh, the day. The coppers yeah. like you yeah. would believe, yeah. <laughs> so um, they used to drink the mead from large wooden mead shares cups called meathers that had three 
cups attached to them. I don't know how that worked. But anyway, I'm sure like that meant th- three times everything. That's my kind of cup, right? Let's go for that. <laughs> of course, that. nobody died from disease in those <laughs> no, days. That's, no, a, that's the main comfort we can take from that. <laughs> so... Kate and Dennis had some friends over and they were visiting the Hill of Tara and they were standing on what was the Mead Hall and they literally had a eureka moment. So they set up the first meadery in 200 years in Ireland and the last meadery that existed was in where the all teeling and all the distilleries are all mm. uh, around the Smithfield area in 1822. Jay Donoghue, which is a famous name. I mean, there was a Jay Donoghue importing company that was in existence until about 2010 in Enniscorthy. Um, it could still be there, but um, I haven't heard from it. So that was the last meadery um, in Ireland. So they literally um, set it up and say basically because they live there. So um, and the other there's historical links in the 5th century St. Molag um, founded the original settlement of uh, Timalig, Cheek mm. Molag um, and he brought apparently he was the first person to bring the knowledge of how to make honey from bees in the 5th century and then St. Gubnet in Ballyvourney in County in West Cork is the patron saint of bees and beekeepers. so the link obviously can sail and there's, there's all these things anyway the primary ingredient of mead is honey and as it takes about 4 million flowers or bee, visits from the bee to a flower to make one kilo of honey we don't make enough of it in Ireland so they import for their pre, for their kind of everyday stuff like this um, hazy summer mead they import their honey from um, Spain but for the premium stuff that they make um, they have some really sort of fine aid, you know um, uh, mead aged in uh, Merlot barrels uh, from Puyac they, they use Irish honey for that so oh, anyway okay. the, the production um, Kate took me to a, through a PowerPoint presentation showing me how mead is made and it's actually not dissimilar to how wine is made Wine is fermented grape juice. Mead is fermented honey that's been mixed with with water. And they bring, they put it in stainless steel tanks, similar to the tanks that they ferment uh, wine in. They bring it up to blood temperature, about 37 degrees. They use the same yeast that you use to make wine, the, you know, the commercial wine yeast. They inject that into the um, tank and the fermentation process starts. Now, the thing about wine is fermentation in wine... It takes it doesn't take very long. It's a matter of days or weeks. But for mead, it takes an awful. You're talking months in terms of the fermentation time. Now, the one that we have here today, which is the hazy summer mead, this is mead that has been fermented with black currants, um, and they put the black currants ah, in. Right. A big mesh bag. Now, the black currants come from Bally Kelly Farm in County Wexford, which Des and Margaret Jafar own. And I've actually been lucky to. Um, visit the farm and, you know, mm. I mean, they are some of the best black currants you can get in Ireland. So what they do is they get the black currants, they put them in these big mesh bags and they put them in with the fermenting mead. And what you get from that is the colour and also a little bit of tannin. So there's a little bit of tannin in this, which mm. you can certainly taste in it. So, um, so eventually, when the yeast has finished um, consuming all the sugar that's in the honey, what you're left with is a bone-dry alcoholic beverage. I thought that mead was um, what I had drunk in Bunratty Castle 30 years ago when I went on one of those, you know, yes. like, you know medieval nights. But in fact, Kate told me um, that 
that wasn't what, what I was actually drinking was a thing called Muslim, which is a honey sweetened wine, which was once popular in Roman times. And that's what they serve at Bunratty. They right. don't actually serve okay. mead. So anyway, um, so what what you can what you have now and and we'll just give this one a try when you smell it. You can certainly get the honey, but you can get the honey. nectar is back already. It's so good. You get the, the honey and you can get the blackcurrants, but when you try it, this is bone dry with huge amount of acidity. You can certainly get the blackcurrant fruit, but it's got a lovely bite to it. And um, they make great cocktails, and in fact, um, you know the Still Garden Amaro, which is again another Irish product that's made from inch core. Um, you can make a, a sort of an Irish neg- uh, negrano with um, your Kinsale Summer Mead and mm. your Amaro. And there's all sorts of cocktails. And if you go to the Kinsale um, Mead website, they, ha- they have them listed there. There's great food matches as well. I mean, it, it goes with so many different styles of food. Um, this yeah, because yeah, yeah, also... It would be a nice, instead of a dessert wine, as often dessert wines are perhaps a bit too, too viscous and too, and too, yeah, and too strong. This would be a, because it's, it's only 11% and it's not overpowering bit, bit at all. A bit of cashew blue cheese, yeah. absolutely oh, your only man. It would be fabulous. So, it, it you know, tapas, mussels, cheese. Um, they've actually won this year. They were awarded uh, the Irish Food Writers Guild Drink of the Year in April for their three-year-old Merlot barrel aged wild red mead. So, I mean, they've only got a small amount of that. But this is 25 euro. It's brand new. Nobody knows anything about mead. I would just say go out and try it. It's Irish. It's a well done um, uh, uh, to Kate and Dennis for re- reviving the old traditional um, production of mead, which dates back to 2800 BC in Ireland. It's a wonderful drink and definitely worth supporting. You know what it reminded me of, though? I had a flashback when I sipped it. Uh, uh, Dubonnet. Do you remember <laughs> Dubonnet? Yes. Yes. Yeah, uh, uh, which was wine, but kind of... It had a kind it of was, a it was, black it was a kind of, yeah, no, it, was, it, was, it was a fortified wine style that was much sweeter than that. This is much drier than Dubonnet. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> well, definitely... It, it just reminded me. <laughs> yeah. Just it was a bottle it's, my parents had that was mostly water for some uh, inexplicable reason. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> eventually. Uh, yeah, no, no, this is... This, and you can certainly get the blackcurrant flavour coming through, but it's what I love about it is the crispicity and the little hint of tannin showing through. Definitely nobody's drink uh, experience Experience has been um, completely uh, uh, finalised until they've tried mead. Indeed, yeah. And Dan says, uh, along a similar vein, high bank orchids in Kilkenny do a very good honey medieval cider uh, that is super due. It's sweet and dry, uh, says Dan. Okay. And uh, Brian wants to know, can you ask Fanula, does she know, will there be a replacement show for The X Factor on Saturday nights on ITV this autumn? Um, I think Simon Cowell is working on another thing. The name escapes me now, but it's kind of like a deal or no deal come talent show where there's basically acts in it and they're offered an amount and you can take the amount, that whatever they're offered, depending on the talent, or you can choose to proceed and kind of gamble and see how far you get to win this ultimate cash prize. I think that's what's replacing it. But yeah, that is what he's working on as far as I'm aware. Okay, and does that involve any degree of talent? Not that the X Factor necessarily did. Does that involve did. any degree of talent? I mean, <laughs> a loaded question. I think it's. I don't think it's necessarily just a singing competition. I think it's like any talent. I think you can kind of pitch yourself as doing anything. Right. So it's okay. kind of more Britain's Got Talent meets. Dealer right, okay. but there is some degree of jeopardy if if yes. you, you could have your larynx ripped out uh, pretty, at some point. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. 
uh, and Simon Cowell would personally <laughs> do the operation. Uh, the show is due to begin filming in the autumn, uh, apparently. And uh, the uh, can you ask Jean where you can get pistachio grappa? I had it when I was in uh, Rin Cunny's in Kilkenny recently and could drink the bottle. Absolutely fab, says Laura. Again, if you, it, it, it sounds as if, um, was that, is that a restaurant that they had it in then? It's probably just... Yes, and that's it's where probably, you're going to get it, yeah. um, Rin sounds as if it's an Italian uh, restaurant and it sounds as if they, they're either buying it from a specialist Italian importer. Um, I've never heard of, again, pistachio... Um, what is it again? Pistachio grappa. Yeah, pistachio grappa. I mean, grappa is basically, they make grappa from Mark, like from basically Mm. the the, the roots and the skins of the uh, wine. They literally distill, they they press it, they get the final bit of juice out of it. They make a a really thin base wine out of it and then they distill that. And that's basically what grappa is. So obviously what pistachio grappa is, is grappa that has been infused with pistachio nuts during the fermentation process to get the pistachio flavours from from right. it. That's okay. just a guess on my part but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Uh, can you ask the wine lady is Retsina available in Ireland? Yes it is and I think you'll get it in O'Brien's and um, it's a very much an acquired taste not something I've ever particularly enjoyed because the resin just doesn't do it for me but it is a very old again another old traditional uh, very ancient style of alcoholic beverage and yes you can definitely get it in O'Brien's. Uh, right okay uh, the hashtag by the way is nuclear movies uh, based on an item we did uh, during the week and uh, nuclear fission in Yemen has been done so many times you're going to have to think of uh, something else so the rest of them are excellent Esther uh, what uh, movie would you like to do first let's do the bright side first let's do the bright side coming up after this break getting older is great you know you learn to enjoy the simple things in life like men (laughs) he didn't like that what's your number That cake, McLaughlin. My mum loves you. Never misses a gig when you're in Leitrim. During the examination, I did notice a lump on your left breast. Yeah, sure, I've always had lumpy breasts. We need to get you checked out as soon as possible. What? Months of radiation, mutilation, it mightn't even work. There's all sorts of new drugs now. Cancer isn't what it used to be. I should call the police. The last doctor had never even heard of you. I've got cancer. This big lump right here. Do you want to feel? I heard Mummy tell Mrs. Pasley that you might die. Can I have your iPad? Alex. Ah, this must be your daughter. That's Kate McLaughlin. She's big and Leitrim. This is your life. New material and free drugs. Some people have all the luck. There you go. That's uh, uh, the bright side there uh, that uh, is going to be showed in cinemas, uh, I assume, Master? In cinemas from today, yeah. And um, being released by Breakout Pictures, finally. I know they've had to stall a couple of times um, in the extraordinary times we live in. Um, And I think as the clip shows you there, Sean, this this deals with um, a sensitive subject matter with kind of frankness about it that I really liked. Um, Like the kid going, can I have your iPad if you die? You know, it's it's that kind of humour laced through it. It's very unsentimental. Um, and, you know, it has the effect of making it, making it more true and more touching and more moving for that, um, because this is a woman in a spot of honor. This isn't just, you know, 
people tend to just make you know talk about when people get breast cancer the importance of positivity which is of course true but maybe it's not what you want to hear at certain times um and you know people almost say they're so brave and they're heroic and fighting and this kind of takes all of that out of it and and because this is a woman who's angry with life and disillusioned with life before she even gets the diagnosis um her name is kate she's a stand-up comedian um, she's got a lot of kind of amateur psychologist stuff uh, that's interesting about her from early on. Like she really likes sex, but not relationships, not intimacy. Um, she is very sarcastic, not in a funny way anymore, in a kind of slightly embittered way. That sarcasm is kind of tipped into bitterness and you get the sense that this woman's really weary from life. Um, testy relationship with her mom. And very early in the film, um, we discover that she is prone to depression and actually even makes a failed attempt at ending her life early in the film. That's before she's diagnosed with breast cancer. Now, when I say this is a comedy, I actually Mm -hmm. am telling the truth, right? There is a a real humour to this. And if you don't believe me... Uh, look at Cork Film Festival who gave their audience award. So that's the punters award. That's the people who actually pay to to watch the film over the festival. And they judged it their favourite um, movie of the festival. So I think that's worth noting uh, because it's, there is a kind of a lightness to it, but there's also a dark humour, a dark wish. It never feels mawkish. Um, mm. And then, you know, she's a bit of a troublemaker as well, Kate. She's kind of likeable for that. Uh, she's been already kind of like herself and the fellow comedians in her club would swap their um, medication and stuff like that um, at the end of a night. And, you know, it kind of does feed into that idea that all comedians are a bit miserable in real life. Um, and <laughs> she's it, does it, be- actually, does it owe anything to real life in, in Anne Gildee's story? Yes, it's steeped in it. Yeah. First of all, um, Ruth Meehan, the writer, director, her sister, um, Alacock, and her best friend, Mad Joe, um, both died from the disease within a few years of each other. And I think she was in an airport somewhere in, in you know, you know, in the throes of her own grief when she saw a book called I've Got Cancer, What's Your Excuse? Uh, by Anne Gilday and picked mm. it up and thought, this is like I'm being heard. It's like what's going on inside of my head. In, in writing, you know, and uh, that was a bestseller, obviously, for Anne Gilday. So she optioned that book. Um, but this I would I would say this is a fictional story, but mm. it's steeped, you know, both in the filmmaker's own experiences of, of cancer and in Anne Gilday's story in kind of realisms. Um, and I really liked it for that. I think it, a, a blend of comedy and drama can be tricky to navigate. And mother of God, when you're dealing with suicide and cancer, um particularly these kind of subjects, you know. Uh, and I just thought she's done a really, really good job, Ruth Meehan, with this, and I can't wait to see what she does next. I watched it, actually. I watched it last year for Cork, which was November of last year, or or as we call it, like 87 pandemic years. So I felt like I needed another <laughs> look at it. And I had a second, um, uh, a second viewing of it um, only this week, and I liked it even more on the second viewing I have to say the writing is pitch perfect it's steeped in Irishness it's steeped in our references like there is a stage where her mother wants her to go to, finds out there's a 
Padre Pio, Pio cloth of on tour <laughs> and she wants her to get her hands on Padre Pio's cloth and rub it on her breast. Yeah. Um, and there is a taxi driver. There's a taxi driver as well who says, um, I'm I'm a Buddhist. If you don't deal with this crap in your life, you'll have to deal with it in the next. So there's your great um, Buddhist saying there, according to a Dublin taxi driver. <laughs> I liked it a lot. Tom Von Lawler is lovely in it. Uh, Gemma Lee Devereaux is great. Of course, people will know her from Smother. On RTE, if they watch the first series, she's one of the of the daughters, the main family there. Um, and she was in um, a couple of other movies, a couple of other TV series in recent years. But this is a big breakthrough for her, I think. Um, but what I liked as well is seeing Tom Von Lawler uh, doing a proper romance. I don't think I've seen him do it before. Uh, yeah. He's a pharmacist. He's a, her local pharmacist and has twigged that she has been abusing the medication basically this is before she was even diagnosed she's like she is on antidepressants and, and sleeping tablets and she's been abusing those and using fake prescriptions so he's onto her he's shopped her and it's a kind of um a jump off point for a lovely romance that develops between the two of them because he's into fly fishing uh and when he discovers and this is actually true when he discovers um She's been diagnosed with breast cancer. He encourages her to take it up because the arm action is apparently really good for avoiding um, the effects of the surgery on your upper arms. Right. Uh, so she goes and, and takes up that. And I would just say I'd love to see Tom Von Lawler do more romance. I think find someone, girls, who looks at you the way t- um, Tom Von Lawler looks at Gemma in this film. Uh, it's lovely. Of course, it goes to very dark and sad places in the second hour. Mm. Um, but I never found it grim. I never found it manipulative. Um, and I, I got on very well with it, I have to say. Right, OK. That sounds like it's a stonkingly good film. Uh, yeah. uh, well done, Ruth Meehan, uh, I must say. Uh, the uh, Mary wants to know, uh, where can I get a Croatian wine? Uh, Grasvina and sparkling wine Tomek. Uh, Croatian wine, there isn't a huge amount of it um, here in Ireland. You'll probably get it in the specialist store. Try Green Man Wines. I'm not sure what part of Ireland you're based in. Um, try special stores. Um, Croatian wine is fabulous. I was lucky enough to visit there twice in recent years and visit the wineries. And I mean, you know, the premium quality. The problem is the tourist industry is so huge there that they don't really export that much because a lot of it is, is, is actually consumed on mm, the home market. Yeah. And um, like Plavak Mali is there reds um I'm not, you know, I, I don't know those specific wines. Um, you must have tried those when you were on holidays in Croatia. There is a small amount here, but again, it, it, it's it's not widely available in this yeah. country. Yeah. Uh, another text that says, understatement of the year, that Retsina is an acquired taste. Coming back from Yugoslavia in September 1990 via Greece, I drank a litre of Retsina <laughs> sleeping on deck. Never touched it since. Well, that's different. Uh, uh, Jay says, a nice pinch of licorice snuff with that mead would be spiffing. I'm smacking me chops thinking about it. Miriam says, uh, the grappa that somebody asked about earlier on, uh, in Renucci's restaurant in Kilkenny, they have a grappa menu. Uh, fantastic spot, authentic Italian. Yes, I think I've been there now, and it was uh, excellent. Uh, and someone else says, at my exhibition at Kilcock Art Gallery in 2018, the Bee Loud Glade, featuring painting, paintings of plants important for bees and other pollinators, we served mead, which went down very well. Good. Well done for plugging your own, uh, your own art exhibition three years after the event. And... Uh, Somebody wants to know uh, when the TV series Red Election is being released. 
Uh, I yeah. have not heard anything not, about that. Uh, yeah, I, I just Googled it though. there. It's something to do with the Danish Secret Service. Anyway, Patrick only wants to it's know far this. far too highbrow for me, I'm afraid. Uh, he says he was an extra in it uh, and should be seen a lot opposite <laughs> James Darcy. Uh, so you're only... You know better than we do, Patrick. You worked on the feckin' thing. Uh, right, anyway, let's... Uh, um, now, Kirsten Stewart's playing Diana Spencer. Yes. <clears throat> she looks... If anyone has seen the pictures of her, it's scary. I really... When I heard this casting, I was like, this is... I don't know, this go one or two ways. She looks incredibly like her. I'd be, I'm more interested in a trailer, which we don't have yet, but hopefully we will soon because we have a release date. It's coming to US cinemas in November 5th. So we should get it around the same time, I would imagine, but nothing official there yet. Um, so Spencer takes place across uh, three days, the Christmas in December 1991. So this is just as like the rumours of the affairs are kind of uh, swirling around and like the divorce and everything else. Um, looks very good I would be very intrigued by this so obviously she's playing Diana and um, we have a guy from Poldark who I'm not hugely familiar with Jack Farthing he's playing uh, Prince Charles and then you have Thomas Douglas is playing Diana's father John Spencer so alright was it the guy from Poldark I never watched Poldark but I was aware there was some guy in Poldark I it just know like, it's a short he was just people. like contracted to not wear a shirt yeah, I don't uh, think oh my shirt fell off it's not him no. it's not him it's not him it's not him okay that sounded, sounded knowledgeable the there who, Jean you know I, I'm a Poldark fan <laughs> <laughs> go figure uh, no I think he I think he he, he, he played one of um, Demelza's brothers okay yeah. right interesting okay. so there you but go but say that you know Diana Spencer was known for her warmth Kirsten Stewart maybe not so much I think that's fair well, but she's I, th- I think she's a very good actor I think she yeah. can do it I think you mean she can be... pretend to be nice I think she can pretend to be warm wow okay well I look forward to seeing that okay we do have to take a break you are listening to the Moncrief Show and News Talk back in a couple of minutes oh apparently they gave away 25 grand to somebody here's that happening Hi, it's Pamela here, and all this week we've been playing the 25k giveaway where one lucky listener will walk away with €25,000. The lines have closed, we've selected a number at random from all our correct entries, and I could be calling you right now. Answer the call within five rings, and the money is yours. Here we go. One. Oh, that's five rings and the phone hasn't been answered so we move on to the next person. Two. Hello? Hi there, my name is Pamela. I'm calling from Go Loud. Can I ask who I'm speaking to, please? My name is Jacinta. Jacinta. And whereabouts in the country are you, Jacinta? I'm in Dublin, in Blackrock. And have you any plans for the weekend, Jacinta? Not at the moment, no. Nothing major plan, just going to chill out a little bit? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, so, Jacinta, <laughs> um, did you enter a competition this week? I did, yes. You did, okay, that's quite interesting. Um, so, I can tell you that we have picked mm-hmm. your number at random. I can also tell you that you've answered the question correctly, Jacinta. Jacinta, I can now tell you that you've just won €25,000. Oh my God, you're joking. I am not. Oh my goodness. How amazing. I don't believe it. Well, but you better believe it. 25,000 oh. euro is all yours. Wow. Oh, jeepers. That's pretty good on a Friday, isn't it? Oh, oh my God, that's amazing. My heart is pumping. <laughs> Do you have oh. any idea what you might oh. spend it on? Oh, no, not off the top of my head, no. That's fair. That's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of money. Such a surprise. Oh, good heavens. Well, I'm glad to wow. say that, Jacinta, congratulations. The €25,000 is all yours. Oh, my goodness. And don't worry if you didn't win this week. On Monday, we're giving you another chance to win €25,000. Listen in from 8am on Monday morning for all the details. 
There you go. Uh, that was uh, the 25 grand uh, given away on spin uh, earlier on today. And that was Jacinta who won the money uh, demonstrating that spin has a, desti- a surprisingly large demographic. Uh, I would have thought slightly outside that. Uh, 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 anyway, I'm excited to know. Uh, you might be excited to know that uh, they're going to make a prequel to The Witcher, which was hugely popular on uh, on Netflix and once again they've recruited huge action stars like Dylan Moran and uh, and Lenny Henry wow when I read this I was like something something's gone awry here but yeah apparently not so this is the prequel Witcher series The Witcher Blood Origin coming to Netflix soon and as you said Lenny Henry Dylan Moran mm-hmm. signed up to do it and it's basically set 1200 years before the original series I actually haven't watched The Witcher it's been on my list for ages because um, Henry Cavill, obviously, but I just felt like it wasn't something that would actually, um, the fantasy thing, not really me, but people loved it and there's mm. such anticipation even for um, the original series. But other people signed up. We have Marin Mack, who people have seen in The Nest and Nathaniel Curtis from It's a Sin. I'm actually very excited to see him. And then we have a couple other people like Sophia Brown, Michelle Yeoh, who people know from Crazy Rich Asians. Um, Six-part series. We don't have a release date yet, but very interesting. I'd be very interested to see Lenny Henry in this. Like, Yeah. Really, I suppose, you know, it is mad. Well, I suppose it's good he's getting a bit of work. Uh, (laughs) The uh, the hashtag is nuclear movies, uh, birth defects of a nation, uh, being one particular (laughs) somewhat tasteless suggestion, it it must be said. Uh, Shall we move on to our second wine of the day? We shall, we shall. This is from Portugal and it's the 2019 Azevedo Alvarino Reserve. This is from Dio Minau in northern Portugal, Vino Verde. This is a very posh Vino Verde. It's 1899. It's in the Independence Off licenses, Bagot Street Wines, Bradley's again in Cork, Clontarf Wines, um, McHugh's in Malahide Road, um, Red Nose Wine in Tipperary. Um, you know, you get the drift, all, all sort of independent stuff. Um, this is, uh, I've actually visited this winery in 2010 or 2011 we went to Gimarish to judge a wine punk competition and we actually, and I mean it's a beautiful city and it's got all these beautiful building with loads of steps I remember walking up millions of steps but um, this this particular winery has amazing gardens I mean you're talking if you're into gardens this is absolutely super um, but uh, this is this is made from one of the grapes that's um, Alvarino which is Alvarino in Rias Baxas across the border in Spain now normally Vino Verde is made from a number of different grapes like Lurera and Alvarino is one of them but this is made from 100% Alvarino. It's a reserva. It's 2019. And uh, again, this is a very premium estate. Um, It's, you know, what what the when um, the owner bought this in 1982, um, traditionally in Vino Verde, because it's not dissimilar to Ireland. I mean, you could be in the west of Ireland, except for the fact that there's vines growing. It's sunny spells and scattered showers. It's just they get a modicum more sunshine in the Minau region than they do in mm. uh, west of Ireland, because they've got all the Atlantic weather fronts coming over. But um, there's more sunshine, so the grapes can actually ripen. So. Traditionally, in this part of Portugal, they use what's known as a pergola system. In other words, the vines are trained really high. I mean, you're you're talking like ten or twelve feet um, above the ground, to, to, so that the air will keep the vines from getting um, oh. molds because it's so damp and and wet. So, um, and then traditionally in that area, what they would do is they'd grow 
you know, vegetables and all sorts of local, you know, they, they, they grow all the various local vegetables on the on 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 the earth, you know, below the vines. So it was kind of multicultural farming. But now um, what happened was that um, the, the owner of, of, of uh, this estate decided he would do modern, he would do, you know, court and train vines, he would upgrade everything, he would, you know, really invest in the winery and he did. So, um, they they have a winemaker called Antonio Braga, who is very, very good, well-known winemaker. And he makes these gorgeous, fresh vino verdes. Now, the one thing you will see, and you can even see it like this has been poured for a while. There's still a little bit, there's still some bubbles in this. There's still a little bit mm. of residual CO2. Yeah. That's one of the characteristics of the vino verde style. They leave it with a little petulance. They leave a tiny little bit of um, carbon dioxide in in the wine deliberately because that's traditionally what the wine style is. But this is a premium version made from 100% Alvarino or Alvarino as it's called in, in Portugal. First of all, you get the characteristic of the great peach aromas, you know, literally this lovely, lovely, elegant peach aromas. But when you try this, it's surprisingly full-bodied. And that's because in 2019, the growing season was quite long because the weather at the time um, was quite warm. So they produced riper grapes. They also, this is a reserva. They, this doesn't have any wood age, but what they do is they age the wine on the lees. They leave the dead yeast cells in contact with the fermented wine just to give more roundness, to give a more kind of development to the wine. Um, this very elegant, it's got lovely acidity. Um, and as we're coming into autumn and oyster season, perfect wine to match with oysters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, You're already very nice shellfish. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Fanula likes that one too. Uh, uh, there we go. Uh, another glass in hand. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. We do have to take a break. We have one more movie to talk about after this. Oh, sorry. Did we not take the break? Okay. There we go. No break left. Okay. Right, Esther. Let's get on with uh, our, our second movie today. It is uh, People Just Do Nothing Big in Japan. Here's a clip. Does it look like we're at it? Do you know what I'm saying? We're out to get a record deal. Yeah. Look at us. You've got to go where the music takes you. Yeah. Like uh, Brentford, Ipswich, and now Japan. Exactly. You do need to be there to support your partner. You know, it's important. Even if they say they don't want you there. You guys can call me Taka in our management. So what we want to do, some promo work, TV shows, radio, and then a big concert. I would like to show you a little bit of what we have to offer. Step on the money, double kick on rhythm, but a boy boy. MC wind up on the mix hand rhythm, but a boy boy. DJ beat in the right and frame. Boss microphone just like an automatic string. Right, that's uh, People Just Do Nothing Big in Japan and uh, it's a TV show uh, as Esther was telling us uh, earlier on. You know, oftentimes Esther, these kind of, when, when you get a, a TV show and then it's translated into a movie, it just feels like an extended edition of the oh. TV show. They can be a disaster, especially if they lack imagination and send them on their holidays, which is kind of what they're doing here. Yes. So I kind of, you know, like everyone from Mr. Bean to the, the Sex and the City girls, it's, it's why do you take them out of the location which they're known for and which they're loved for? I never really understood it. Uh, but this was a really shrewd judgment call. And look, it's a three star movie. It won't be winning any Oscars, but it gave me more laugh out loud moments than most films in the last year that I've seen. It was really silly, Sean. 
in the best possible way. And there's lines of dialogue like, I, you know, they're, so they're Brentford's most famous exports. They're um, MC Grinda, DJ Beats, DJ Steves and Decoy. Uh, who was fans of the series will know were uh, the group of close friends, music fans. They set up a pirate station out of their London flat, um, which broadcasts garage music. And they used to play the same tunes over and over again. Um, and that was their theory that because people love the music, they should just play the same tunes over again. So they didn't really get the concept of radio. Um, or and, and, and they ended up becoming what they call themselves the best garage station in Brentford. Uh, so, but they've long since split up. Uh, we get a little uh, introduction as to why early on in the film, and uh, they're kind of you know some of them have even gone gone and got real jobs at this stage. One of them's a postman, but their manager, who's called Chabody uh, G, who's so <laughs> snaky, he's so snaky. Uh, he gets worried of this major new development and tries to get the lads back together because this, as I mentioned, is crazy new uh, Japanese comedy show has randomly used one of their songs as the team tune and the, it's taken off among fans. So they're very excited. As one of the characters says in the film, I can't wait to take my family to the best city in the world, Japan. And um, <laughs> off they go. It's silly, like, but it's just, it is very funny. Um, the wife wants to go with them. She's played by Lily Brazier, who is on my radar forever. She is absolutely hilarious in this. She's the supportive girlfriend who is going to be supportive whether you like her or not. So she arrives out unannounced to Japan and says, you know, it says to camera because this is in a a mockumentary style. um, She says at one stage, it's very important to be supportive, even if they say they don't want you there. And I just thought she was gas. Very relatable, I have to say. And uh, yeah, one of them as well then is... um, decoy he's the drugs user and comes out with advice to camera at one stage to uh, about taking drugs know your limit and take exactly that amount so you know it's very patchy uh they do try and construct a proper storyline to be fair um you know they're over and they're kind of naive and disorganized as you can hear and it's not long before the Japanese, the wily Japanese suits realise that the, the boys can be ripe for exploiting. Uh, and it really sends up the whole music industry thing in delightful ways. Like there's one stage where they're photographing them all and they keep telling the good looking guy to come to the front and the others to go to the back to the extent that they're out of frame. And they're like going, are you sure? The outfits become increasingly boy band like. Uh, the manager gets sidelined, of course, or manages to sideline himself because he's so useless. And yeah, I had a lot of fun with this, I have to say. It 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 drags in places. It runs out of pace towards the end. Um, but it made me laugh. Yeah. It really is, it, is, These is are this, great characters. Is this a cinema jobby again? This or? is a cinema jobby. It's getting a wide release, actually. Universal are, uh, are putting their money on this one. They think it has breakout... Um, Breakout value beyond its audience, and I certainly think so because I'd never even heard of them before I watched it. Um, right. I think the the victory of it maybe is the actors have been playing these characters for so long that they really n- inhabit them. They really know them inside out. So they are they aren't types which you'd often get in a rockumentary like this. Mm. They feel like real people, and bizarrely, you become invested in them when one of them starts crying to the music of the streets. 
towards the end of the film, you actually feel for him. <laughs> uh, going back to the bright side, uh, that, uh, um, that uh, Esther was telling about earlier on, uh, Trish says that movie was excellent. I saw it at the Cork Film Festival. Was very surprised we did not hear more about it, but I assume it was like a lot of things held up by the pandemic. Exactly, yeah. It, it debuted at Cork last year. As I say, the audience winner in Cork, so um, mm. that's an indicative, I think, and was probably primed for, I can't remember the original release date, but was probably the idea with an Irish distributor would be get a high profile festival here and then build a, um, a release on the back of that. Yes. Know, which was probably yeah. what was supposed to happen uh, in November. Uh, and Esther uh, um, was talking about Tom Vaughan Lawler is in it and uh, the loving look. Someone uh, sent in a question says, uh, on Tom Vaughan Lawler's loving look, all I can picture is Nidge when he's in a good mood and not about to kill someone, <laughs> but still scary. Is it like that? <laughs> it's kind of like that but sweeter yeah right kind of like yeah, that you don't, you, you don't get to die afterwards either okay uh, right sweet but might still kill someone uh, might become a crazed pharmacist later on uh, <laughs> Esther thanks a million thanks also to uh, Fanola and Jean that's our lot for today Kieran's up next uh, on the hard shoulder on Newstalk our production team today Maurice O'Sullivan Michael Quilligan and Aidan McKelvey we'll talk to you on Monday at 2 see you then Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.